So thank you for the introduction and thank you very much for inviting me, the Nissan Institute and Department of Sociology. Uh, it's a real pleasure. I, I also uh, appreciate you accommodating my schedule. Um, I, I know this isn't the normal seminar time, so I appreciate you coming on a uh, irregular day. Um, it's also a real pleasure to visit Oxford. I, I've only been here once before. I was 20 years old, so that's about <laughs> 30 years ago. But I was talking to Roger Goodman the other day. I was at a conference with him. Um, and he assured me that it hadn't changed in 900 years, so I didn't, I, nothing, <laughs> I didn't miss anything by being away. Um, but anyways, I'm happy to be here. Um, like Katja said, I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, economic uncertainty or uh, economic circumstances, recession, and its potential relationships with fertility uh, in Japan. This uh, particular project is collaborative. Uh, my uh, co-author on this is a guy named Akihisa Shibata, who uh, is this is a very different area for him. He's a macro economist, a, th a theoretician, um, but this was an excuse for us to work together on a project of uh, mutual interest. Um, so I would like to acknowledge uh, his contributions to the to the paper. Um, I should also, you know, begin by saying I, I realize that the local culture, I guess, according to Katja, is that you are very polite and let me talk for 50 minutes uh, and then ask questions. But um, by all means, if you have questions that um, can't wait or you want to clarify something, just just jump in. That's what I'm used to. So um, that that's perfectly fine. Um, so let me, I, I, probably easier for me to stand up, I'm more used to that. Um, I'm going to ask a couple of really straightforward questions, big questions, but straightforward questions. The first being uh, what, to ask whether or not economic uncertainty, uh, which as I'll show you can be measured in a variety of ways, is associated with fertility in Japan. And under that larger question, there's a couple of sub-questions that we want to ask, one of which is more important than the others. Um, but we want to ask whether this relationship, to the extent that we observe one, may differ depending on whether we look at uh, measures of uncertainty and fertility at an aggregate level or whether we look at behavior at the individual level. Um, I'll, I'll come back to some recent research that suggests that um, the findings or the patterns may differ depending on the level of analysis. Um, so that motivates uh, the, the actual um, uh, analyses that I'll introduce. The one that I, uh, I mentioned that one of these questions was more important than the other, and it's uh, the others, and it's the question of whether or not these relationships, to the extent that they exist, may differ for men and for women. Okay, I'll elaborate this a little bit more uh, in a while, but Japan is an interesting place in that, as you guys um, presumably all are very well aware, um, you know, relative to the UK, relative to the US or other Western uh, low fertility industrialized societies, gender relationships are, are quite a bit different. Uh, the division of housework, the division of uh, paid labor are quite a bit different for men and for women. Um, and, and this motivates um, uh, a, a series of questions around this larger question that I'll come back to. Um, we also want to ask a question, uh, ask the question, the sub-question, uh, does this relationship to the extent that we observe one uh, differ um, for, in, in terms of its direct impact on fertility within marriage? All fertility almost with, is within marriage in Japan. Um, or are the relationships indirect? Through the ways in which economic uncertainty may impact uh, transitions into marriage and thus uh, exposure to uh, the likelihood of having a child. Uh, and the second question, uh, following up on this first question and sub-questions, is to what extent, if any, um, did increasing economic uncertainty over the period of Japan's long recession, the so-called lost 20 years, 
to what extent did rising economic uncertainty during this period uh, contribute to lower levels of fertility during that period of time. So I'm a demographer, as Katya said. Um, I'm going to walk you through a series of sort of uh, standard demographic approaches using counterfactual techniques to uh, ask questions about what would have happened if things actually hadn't changed. So I will. Um, I, I realize that um, in 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 uh, multidisciplinary, multi-background audiences, uh, demographers often sometimes overwhelm with numbers uh, and 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 the like. So um, I will try to be uh, as as intuitive as possible. I just came from this conference, uh, as Katja said, in Vienna, which was a group of Japanese scholars from many many different disciplines, and I was told that my parade of numbers was very intelligible. So um, <laughs> hopefully I can do the same uh, here. And um, uh, but for those of you who are familiar with the techniques, please don't hesitate to, to, to push me on them. <clears throat> um, a little bit of uh, data to motivate things. Um, there are two things going on here. Uh, between 1980 and 2012, so a period of about 30 years, we observe a decline in the total fertility rate. This is on this vertical axis here, the red line. And this is the annual GDP growth rate, annual percentage change in GDP. Um, so you see the, the end of the so-called bubble economy in the late 1980s, early, or 1990, uh, very low levels of growth, zero growth, basically. And, and the, the, the question is whether or not um, the various measures of uncertainty that attended this decline in economic growth are relevant for understanding the trends in fertility. Um, I should you know, be upfront and, and, and be very clear that we're not talking about major declines in fertility. <laughs> this is a very uh, steady but small uh, decline in the total birth rate. Um, just by way of background, of course, um, Japan, as you've probably heard in many of these other uh, talks in the series, has one of the lowest fertility rates in the, in the world. It is absolutely one of the most rapidly aging societies. I think it's the oldest country in the world right now. And this is primarily driven not by people living longer, but primarily driven by the declining fertility rate, the very low fertility rate. Um, so this is a major policy issue, trying to understand uh, the uh, factors that um, underlie the prolonged uh, low fertility rates and, and um, the decline to which it uh, ha has taken place over this past um, 20 years. So, um, I apologize for not taking the time to change this into English. Um, basically, this is from 2003. Uh, these different colors represent levels of total fertility rates across the 47 prefectures in Japan. I put this up here for two reasons. One, to show you that fertility is low across the country. The lowest levels in Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto areas are below 1.2, um, and the highest are 1.5 and above, some uh, in rural areas. Um, so the two things to take away from this are that A, fertility is low across the, country, across the country, and B, there is some regional variation. Some of the analyses I'm going to be presenting rely on variation across prefectures in fertility. Um, so for those of you who are concerned, I just want to demonstrate that there is some fertility uh, variation across prefectures that we can capitalize on uh, to say something uh, of, of relevance to the questions. So a little bit of um, background uh, about previous research at a general level. I'll come to the Japanese uh, research in just a second. Long history of research on the relationships between economic uh, growth or economic uncertainty and fertility rates, um, questions about whether this is a cyclical or counter-cyclical relationship. That is, does fertility increase in good times or does it increase in bad times? 
Um, so this is, there's a long uh, history. Um, but in more recent years, if you were to sort of, you know, do a search uh, of the recent research on uh, fertility and economic uncertainty, you would come across a, a, a wealth of research that's been motivated by the major uh, um, shifts from uh, planned economies to market economies in Central Eastern Europe and the attendant uh, economic uh, uncertainty that, that occurred at the same time as transitions to very low rates of fertility. Um, that's, that's one area. Um, the second area that's motivated work has been the post-2008 rate recession, as we call it in the US, or the, um, I don't know what people call it elsewhere, but um, the, the, the global recession uh, that followed the meltdown in the US. Um, and, and some uh, sense that macroeconomic volatility is growing and may increase over time. So there's, there's quite a bit of interest in this um, uh, in, in recent years. Um, I think the general consensus from this recent research is that uh, fertility is, is um, cyclical. That is, uh, in times of high economic uncertainty, fertility goes down. Well, there's plenty of evidence that in the US, uh, fertility declined post-2008. Um, and the same holds for some of these other uh, studies based on uh, Eastern and Central European countries. Um, there is this nice um, study by uh, Hans Peter and Ileana Kohler uh, that suggests, as I mentioned at the outset, that the re relationships may actually differ depending on whether we look at aggregate measures, say state-level measures or country-level measures, and whether we look at individuals or individual couples. Um, th they found uh, economic uncertainty uh, unemployment rates actually to be <clears throat> negatively associated with fertility at the macro level, positively associated with fertility at the individual level. So this motivates uh, a similar approach on our part. We're going to look at data at both levels, uh, both the prefectural level and the individual level. Previous research on Japan, um, there has been some work that's attempted to demonstrate that the recession has contributed to lower rates of fertility um, post-1990. Um, but I would say that a lot of this is, is sort of uh, either anecdotal or quasi-scientific research, sort of um, uh, not a lot of rigorous empirical evaluations of this question. Um, there's a long history of research demonstrating that men's income is positively associated with fertility, women's income negatively associated with fertility, um, but of course income per se is not a measure of economic uncertainty, a measure of economic circumstances or status rather than uncertainty. So that's really, it's uh, suggested but not um, directly relevant. There has been some uh, research that shows that husband's income volatility uh, changes over time in husband's income, which is a good measure, I think, of uncertainty, is associated with lower rates of fertility um, by increasing wife's employment. So it's kind of an indirect um, pathway. Um, and there's, I, I won't I'll move along, but the, the point is there's been some research um, uh, on the economic uncertainty fertility link in Japan, uh, not rigorous, not conclusive. Um, I think we've got some room to make some kind of contribution to this literature. Yeah, Ian. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit behind you, but can you explain how aggregate individual data can be different? Ah, sure. Um, so, um, I, if, if I can... Sorry, it's a can, can, I, can I be a professor for a minute? <laughs> so I, um, we, we often talk about something called the ecological fallacy. Um, so there's a classic example of um, uh, research in the US that was based on state level data um, that, that uh, linked the proportion of a state's population black to higher illiteracy rates. So a conclusion might be that, well, blacks are more illiterate than 
uh, whites. Um, but actually, um, if you look at the individual level data, you look at in individual black and white people, and in the states that they live, um, you actually see that, well, the states with a lot of black people have a lot of illiterate white people, too, as a reflection of low levels of educational investment, um, poverty, rurality, and things like this. So there, there is this, um, obviously, aggregate data is the aggregation of individuals, but there, uh, there's this ecological fallacy which tells us we shouldn't um, uh, um, extrapolate results from aggregate level analyses to individual level analyses. And just to follow up on that, the reason that this is really relevant in our case, as I'll say in a minute, is that the aggregate level data are actually really quite rich and cover a long period of time and allow us to say um, some very useful things, I think, about the questions that we're interested in. Um, but the theories are all about behavior at the individual level. So we really run into this problem of a mismatch between uh, what our theory tells us we should be looking at and what the data may actually allow us to look at. So to the extent that we can do it within the constraints of the data, we want to try to triangulate um, to the extent possible to see whether we get similar patterns. Yeah, but, but thank you. And, and if there are similar questions, by all means, um, or, or other types, just, just keep them coming. That's great. Um, a little bit about the Japanese context for those of you who are um, coming from the uh, Japan Studies um, uh, Institute, this will probably all be very um, uh, old hat to you. Um, nothing new here, but for those who aren't, uh, maybe uh, a little bit of background is helpful to sort of set the stage. Um, I've already mentioned the fact that uh, almost all childbearing takes place within marriage. Um, I, I don't know the UK numbers, maybe Francesco or others can help me, but in the United States, for example, 40% of births are to unmarried women. Uh, it's much higher in many European countries. Do you know the UK? Almost 50. Almost 50 in the UK. Over 50. Over 50, okay. So um, in Japan, it's 2%. Um, so essentially nil. Um, this is one of, the one of the only things about Japan that is really unusual demographically. Um, when we compare the countries, you know, sort of statistic and the demographic profile to other low fertility countries. So this is really important and I think um, is relevant for understanding some of the analytical decisions we make that I'll talk about later. Um, also important, very, very late marriage. I think the average age of marriage for women is, is creeping up toward 30 now, average age of first marriage. I don't think it's quite there yet. Um, average levels of divorce. Um, uh, lower than in the U.S., but everywhere is lower than the U.S. It's similar to most European countries. About a third of marriages are projected to end in divorce, according to our work on this. Um, very important, I think, for thinking about men's and the differences in men's and women's economic uncertainty. Um, there's very high levels of labor force dropout for women at, at childbirth, really, now, not marriage so much anymore. About two-thirds of women drop out of the labor force um, uh, prior to the birth of their first child. This is actually stable over the past 30 years, hasn't really changed. Um, so this has important implications for thinking about how to even think about economic uncertainty for women uh, in, in Japan. Also relevant for that are the fact that there are relatively limited opportunities for advancement. Even if you do stay in a career job, there's a, I don't even know if it's a glass ceiling, it's probably a concrete or steel ceiling um, uh, that most women can see pretty easily. Um, for those who do drop out of the labor force to spend time uh, on child rearing, um, the opportunities for returning to any kind of career employment are extremely limited. This is another area of research we've spent a lot of time 
um, on. So one might, um, and actually the other is the very high prevalence of non-standard employment for women. Um, one might argue based on this that uncertainty for women is probably pretty low. Um, it's pretty certain that your contributions to the family are going to be supplemental uh, and, and marginal, but that, there are also reasons to think that that may be changing. The implementation of the equal um, uh, opportunity employment law, um, growing uh, investment in careers for highly educated women, etc. But at any rate, that's sort of a little bit of the background. Um, for men, relatively stable employment, um, low wage growth for men over time, I mean, in post-1980s uh, Japan. Um, however, evidence during the recessionary period, the last 20 years, uh, of more uncertainty, more layoffs, pay cuts, and the like. Um, so some reason to believe that uh, economic uncertainty may have increased for both men and for women. That's a little bit of background. Any questions from the, any, anybody about the Japanese context in terms of setting things up? Something you think I've forgotten? Yeah, 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 I should not anticipate my discussion, but I was wondering whether you could comment on uncertainty web, uh, versus general level of the economy. Let's say... What do you mean by that G exactly? GDP versus unemployment or inflation, is it the same thing? Yeah, so I had a, I actually presented this um, uh, at, at my home university at Wisconsin a, a while ago for a group of colleagues that consisted primarily of economists and they, they got on me for a little bit different thing about distinguishing uncertainty from risk. Um, and I'm not sure I was able to answer that. Um, I, what we're thinking, the way we're thinking about uncertainty, say at the aggregate level, um, uh, you, depending on what kind of job you're in, what kind of employment status you're in, you can see the lay of the land, so to speak. And if you're in an, in, in, in an industry or occupation with relatively high rates of unemployment or job cut, pay cuts, this is a measure, I think, at the aggregate, aggregate level of uncertainty. At the individual level, we're thinking about uncertainty as being measured by things uh, like fluctuations in pay. Um, maybe if I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, Sure, I'm not answering your question. We we'll come back to it. Yeah, um, maybe once you see what I've done, you can you can um, give me some suggestions about how to think uh, about this. Um, and before we get into the data, one last thing. I have no idea about the time. I, I should probably give me a give me five twenty. Okay, so. so you've done twenty minutes. Ten twenty. Oh, I talk too much. Um, but anyways, okay. So so getting back to the uh, the the motivation about focusing on differences for men and for women, um, relationship between uncertainty and fertility, unambiguously maybe a bit strong, but certainly the evidence is um, uh, suggestive of a very strong negative relationship for men. Um, it's ambiguous for women. It depends on the strength of what we call the income versus the substitution effect. If you have women, if, if, if you're in a society, for example, where women's economic contributions to the household budget are very similar to those as men, we might expect the relationship to look similar. Um, the more income you have, um, the, the, uh, the more income, the, the, the higher your uncertainty, the stronger the negative effect on fertility may be, okay? Um, 
to the extent that women are co-breadwinners, if you will, uh, along with men, we might expect to see similar patterns um, for, for men and for women. Um, if, however, women's economic contributions to the household budget are relatively supplementary, um, doesn't, you know, it's not a, a major uh, do or die kind of situation. In periods of high economic uncertainty, the opportunity costs of leaving the labor force to focus on family formation, child rearing, may be relatively low, which suggests that in a country like Japan, high economic uncertainty uh, may not actually contribute to lower fertility rates to the extent that you have sort of offsetting effects on men and women. Uh, it may lower the fertility uh, via men's economic uncertainty, but may have a countervailing or countercyclical uh, effect via women's fertility, uh, in, in which case we might expect to see not much going on. So this is kind of where we see our primary theoretical contribution um, and why we see Japan as being particularly uh, interesting. So I'm not going to talk at all about the model. Um, this is my colleague's um, uh, uh, focus, but he's um, building on existing models uh, that are really problematic in that they um, either focus only on men or only on men or only on women, or if they focus on the couple, they assume sort of what we would call a unitary household utility function, or they assume that, that it's household. Um, measures of economic circumstances that matter, not the wife's and the husband's circumstances separately um, and perhaps in potentially offsetting ways. Um, so that's kind of the theoretical contribution that we're looking to make. I'm, like I said, I'm not going to bore you with the details on that. Um, let's get into the data. Uh, I mentioned that we have both aggregate level and individual level data. Um, the aggregate data are prefectural data from 1985 to 2010. The census is conducted every five, year, five years in Japan. That gives us six census years, seven age groups, 15 to 19 to 45 to 49, covering the reproductive age range. 47 prefectures gives us about 2,000 observations to work with. Um, census data and vital statistics data and basic survey on wage structure to get information on wage rate growth within prefectures are, are the sources of data. So basically what we're going to be doing is modeling age-specific fertility rates, uh, the fertility rate at a given age in a given prefecture um, uh, uh, um, at a given time as a function of age, year, measures of male and female unemployment rates, so male-female measure of uncertainty, and male and female wage rate growth. Um, so we've got four measures of uncertainty, two for men, two for women. Um, and basically, we're going to generate predicted values of age-specific fertility rates. We're going to aggregate them up to get you that uh, total fertility rate that everybody's familiar with, the 2.1, the 1.5, or whatever. Um, that, that's, that's the basic um, uh, approach. Um, any, any questions about that? I, I'm going through it really quickly with an eye on the clock that I can't see. Um, uh, the data for the second half. The individual level analysis, we're using some data that I, I don't think I've seen anybody publish in English on. Maybe there's been a few. Uh, the KO Household Panel Survey, it's a large uh, panel survey conducted uh, at least for the period we're, we're able to observe between 2004 and 2010. So seven years worth of data uh, for people in this age range. Um, we, have, we end up with about 9,000 um, observations of people who are married, men and women who are married. The couple, uh, couples in which the wife is under 50, still of childbearing age, and don't have missing data on any of the covariates. Um, we're also going to be using some external data on uh, employment to get measures of involuntary job loss 
the prevalence of involuntary job loss across industries. We're going to attach that to people's reported industry uh, as, a, as a proxy for uh, the, the, the level of uncertainty in that industry that they work in. Uh, we have another measure that I'll tell you about later, but from the same survey. And here what we're doing is modeling the probability of having a child between, say, 2004 and 2005, or any two consecutive years, as a function of the woman's age, age squared, how many children she already has, how long it's been since she had the last child, whether or not they got divorced, and then these measures of uncertainty. Okay, so we're trying to do more or less the same thing using measures of prefecture data and individuals. Um, again, getting at this potential difference between results at the aggregate uh, and, and, and uh, individual level. And you know, note here, uh, in contrast to the aggregate level data, we don't have information from before the economic recession. This is all post-recession. Mm -hmm. So we really don't have that ability to um, say anything about um, the, the extent to which uh, change pre-recession, post-recession may be relevant for understanding fertility. So that's another major limitation here. Yeah, ah, ooh. yeah, gotcha, please. Uh, why did you choose the age range, age range with up to 69? No, that was just, that's just the survey. Just the survey. That, that, this is the sampling frame for the survey, 20 to 70 year olds. Okay. We limit it to couples in which the wife okay. is under 50, yeah. yeah. Is there no way to merge two data sets? Uh, that would actually be really cool um, to merge the two data sets um, to append, I mean, I think the idea that you're thinking about is to append regional level measures of economic uncertainty to right. the individual right. level because people. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, e either, either the, um, this is a big issue. Um, I don't know how many of you are, or even how uh, similar it is to the situation uh, we face with respect to confidentiality, data security, and the ability to actually access information about where respondents in your surveys live. Um, I don't have access to that. I would love to have access, and, and it may be possible, and if it is possible to get those data, that would be an obvious um, improvement on this, absolutely, yeah. Another yeah, yeah, sure. question. Uh, could you reconstruct uh, retrospective fertility by the age of children in a household? You, you absolutely can, yeah. Um, and, and, and how would that, what do you want to do with that? If, if you want to, to oh, go to back go to back. the recession. Uh, yeah. and, Yes, but that would require two other really important pieces of information. Either it would require uh, employment and earnings histories, which we don't have, to construct within survey uh, measures of uncertainty, or even better, would require uh, a, a residential history that would allow us to append these uh, measures of local area uh, economic circumstances retrospectively. Uh, we don't have either, but um, that, would be, I know, that would be nice. That would be really nice. Um, and, and that may be something worth looking into. It may be possible to do it in a maybe less than optimal but better than nothing way. Um, <clears throat> so anyways, um, I'm going to walk you through about four slides really quickly, um, uh, which are going to give you the, the base, basic results for the aggregate level analyses. So what we've got here is the total fertility rate for the whole country across those uh, six census years. Okay. The, the green line here is the observed total fertility rate. This is the same thing I showed you in red on that first slide, uh, except that the scale exaggerates the, the degree of change a little bit. Um, the blue line is our predicted value. So we fit the observed data pretty well. A little bit of a gap here. We don't get this uptick here 
um, just given the way we specified the model. Um, but this is just to show you that the model replicates the trends in fertility relatively well. This is the key question. Here, this red line is the total fertility rate that we get when we ask this counterfactual question. What if the four measures of economic uncertainty, male unemployment, female unemployment, male wage rate growth, female wage rate growth, had stayed at their 1985 levels? They didn't decline, nothing changed. We can go back and recalculate the total fertility rate in each census year based on our estimated equations using the 1985 value. So this is just sort of a standard, uh, what we call counterfactual analysis in, in demography and economics as well, uh, a very uh, common technique. And basically what we see is that, well, yeah, um, changes in economic uncertainty do explain some of the decline in the fertility rate. Rather than being, uh, well, actually, here's not a good one because it's about the same. But in 2005, rather than being point. Uh, three-ish, it's about 1.45 or something like that. So again, we're talking about a small range of change, but nonetheless, it appears that economic uncertainty is relevant at the aggregate level for understanding decline in fertility. Not all of the decline, but some of the decline. Um, next, we're gonna ask, which is more important, men's economic uncertainty or women's economic uncertainty? This purple line is the one that we get if we only hold men's economic uncertainty at its earlier levels. We don't let men's economic uncertainty change. This is even higher. So men's economic uncertainty clearly is, is very important for understanding the decline in fertility. This orange guy in here is what happens when we hold women's uh, measures of economic uncertainty constant at their earlier levels. So it's above the predicted line. So changes in economic uncertainty, increasing economic uncertainty for women does contribute to a decline in the fertility rate, but not nearly uh, as much as is the case for men. So this answers uh, at least the first couple of questions that we had, okay? And then the third one, if you remember, was about the relationship between uh, the impact on marriage and directly on fertility. So to do that, we do this other counterfactual exercise where we basically ask, um, uh, what would have happened uh, to a hypothetical fertility rate um, that we calculate by, getting, by, by marrying all women at age 15 and letting them stay married until 49 and exposing them to the observed fertility rates. So it's a completely hypothetical scenario. Um, but if we do that, we get this green line here. Okay, it's, it's, you know, this is six. It's, it's, it's a completely hypothetical measure. But basically what this does is it removes all of the influence of marriage. Okay? Marriage is irrelevant in this world because everybody's married at 15, okay? um, hypothetically. And we again get our model, the blue line, and we get our counterfactual measure where we hold um, these measures of economic uncertainty constant in 1985. We don't let anything change about the world since 1985, at least with respect to these measures of economic uncertainty. There's no difference at all. So to me, this suggests that the um, effect, if you will, of growing economic uncertainty um, on declining fertility that we saw in the previous two slides is largely working through reducing marriage, reducing the proportion of the population that's married. Okay, does that, does that make sense? More or less? Okay. Um, so, how am I doing, Katya, on time? You've got about 20 minutes. Oh, I've got 20 minutes already? Yeah. Or still? Okay, great. Still. Still, good. I'll wave 10 minutes. Oh, thank you. That's, that's what I need. Um, 
I, 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 I often sort of set a timer for myself, you know, to make sure I'm on time, and then immediately forget that I even have it there. So I will, I will trust you to keep me, keep me um, going here. Um, anyways, so what this suggests, again, just to recap a little bit, economic uncertainty does seem to matter. It seems to matter more for men, measures of men's economic uncertainty in terms of understanding the decline in fertility. And it appears that the pathway through which growing economic uncertainty has reduced fertility in Japan over this period is via marriage, not via reducing the likelihood of having a child once you're married. Okay? So we're going to turn to the individual level analyses. And remember that we're focusing on married couples. Okay, so one might think that, well, uh, Jim has just showed me that fertility within marriage doesn't really respond to economic uncertainty. It's all about the link between uncertainty and marriage. One might expect then that we wouldn't see much evidence of a link between economic uncertainty and fertility within marriage, this, this sample that I'm going to look at. Um, so let's keep that in mind. Um, uh, a couple of reasons um, just by way of background for the decision to focus on um, married couples. Um, some of you who, who do this kind of work might think, well, why, why focus on married couples? You've just showed us that marriage matters. Why not actually analyze both the marriage process and the process of fertility within marriage? Uh, I'm going to give you a few reasons for not doing things that way, um, some of which may be more compelling than others. Um, one of them, which is maybe not so compelling, is as I said, nearly all childbearing is within marriage. So we're not losing any uh, childbearing or any uh, fertility uh, that we might in the UK or the US. Um, a methodological reason. Um, within couples, married couples, it's very easy to sort of think about how to measure. It's not easy to measure. It's easy to think about how to measure uh, um, uncertain economic uncertainty for both men and for women. But if you're thinking about the ways in which men's and women's economic uncertainty may impact marriage, well, it's not so hard for me as a man to think about the way in which I would measure my economic uncertainty. But for me as a man, it would be very hard for me to think about how do I measure the economic uncertainty of women in a way that's relevant for understanding my marriage decisions, right? You have to measure the economic uncertainty of my potential partners. So that's a very complicated set of um, measurement issues that we weren't yet prepared to deal with. And if you have suggestions on how to better do that or how to do that, I'm all ears, yeah. The practical reason is that this KO household survey appears to underestimate um, marriage, uh, understate marriage. So as demographers, one of the first things that we do when we work with survey data on uh, uh, demographic processes like birth, death, uh, marriage, divorce, is we try to compare the observed prevalence um, and patterns of these events in the survey to something that we trust a lot more, like the vital statistics or registration data, to see how good or bad <laughs> our survey is at capturing these things. Um, and for the uh, KHPS, with fertility, it's great. Um, it seems to match the vital statistics extremely well. For marriage, not so much. Um, the predicted levels of marriage uh, observed or predicted levels of marriage within the survey are a lot lower than what we observe in the, in the registration data. Um, so that's another reason that we were hesitant to take this approach um, of focusing on marriage as well. So just a little bit of information. Um, I mentioned before that what we're doing is we're looking at births between 
a given year and the next year. We have these um, surveys done every year so we can observe whether or not a child was born uh, between the two years. Um, and there's 9,000 observations of T and T plus one. Um, and in a little over, uh, slightly less than 5% of those observations, there was a birth between the two waves, okay? Not surprisingly, the prevalence of childbearing was highest for women with no children. Um, somewhat lower, but relatively high for those with one child, and then relatively low for women with two or more children, which shouldn't be surprising uh, given what we know about fertility in very low fertility countries like Japan. Second and our third and fourth births are very rare. Okay, um, we have four measures of economic uncertainty um, constructed from information within the survey. The first is a measure of change in husband's earnings between year T and T plus one. Um, we just simply took the ratio of income in year T plus one to income in year T, okay? Um, if it's the same, the ratio is one, um, and, and, and so on. Um, um, and, and, and basically what we've done, I've, I've looked at the relationship with fertility, it's non-linear, so I broke it up into three categories, declines of 15% or more, what I'm calling no change between minus 15 and 15%, and large increases, 15% or more. So that's one measure. Um, men's employment type, um, we're looking at regular employees, um, standard employment versus non-standard employment. Uh, men's, employment, men's uncertainty is hard to measure because most of the men in Japan, I, I won't show you the descriptive statistics, but um, take my word for it. I'm sure it resonates with those of you who study this stuff. Um, uncertainty, it, it's hard to capture uncertainty. Most men are in relatively stable jobs. Um, there's certainly a lot of non-standard employment in Japan, but you don't pick it up in a sample survey. You might pick it up in a, you know, uh, an employment survey or the census, but the numbers aren't, aren't large enough really to, to, to get much um, on that. Um, for women, we get information on the prevalence, like I said, of uh, uh, involuntary job loss in a given industry and employment type, and we append that information to the individual observations based on the reported industry and employment type, um, and basically create a measure for women who work in low turnover jobs, jobs with relatively limited um, levels of uh, uh, involuntary turnover, termination, layoffs, and things like that, um, and average levels and high levels of turnover. This one actually will turn out to be important, so I will just highlight that. Um, and the fourth measure, which is uh, a relatively, uh, admittedly very crude measure, is a measure of the prevalence of part-time employment um, by industry for men. The uh, intuition here is that working in an industry uh, characterized by relatively high levels of non-standard or part-time employment uh, is to work in an industry where precariousness is high, uh, uncertainty is relatively high. Um, that's the intuition. Um, you can see that we're struggling to find good measures of uncertainty within the survey, um, but that's, that's what we have. Um, I'm gonna skip over the descriptives. We can come back to that if you want. These are the results. Okay, perfect, I will finish on time, um, amazingly enough. Um, these are the results of this um, uh, set of analyses. Again, the outcome is having a birth between the two waves, okay? So this is a zero-one measure, you do or you don't. Um, I'm presenting this, uh, these results as 
odds ratios. So um, I know that this is not familiar to people who don't work with statistical data, but the basic idea here is that this will tell us the relative likelihood of having a uh, birth uh, between two waves of data for people in categories other than this, this reference category. So this is women in an average turnover industry. Okay, I'm comparing everybody to them. So if these are bigger than this, and this is always one. If these are bigger than this, the probability of having a birth is higher. If they're less than this, the probability of having a birth is lower. So it's a relative measure, not an absolute measure. It's all relative to the gray bar here. Um, and I don't show this, but what we can see here is that women not in the labor force, this is significantly higher. So no surprise here. Um, women are probably not in the labor force because they're pregnant or planning to have a child. Um, so this is, this is um, certainly as we would expect, relatively high fertility among those not in the labor force. Um, the only other statistically meaningful difference is those in high turnover industries. That is, um, women who work in these industries characterized by a relatively higher level of precariousness Maybe I pulled it out. That might have been what happened when I pulled it closer to me. Um, thanks. Women who work in these industries characterized by relatively higher levels of precariousness are much less likely to have a birth. So this is not consistent with our aggregate level findings, um, not consistent with the um, idea that in a very gender inegalitarian setting, um, women's economic uncertainty might be positively associated with the likelihood of having a kid. This is, this is exactly the opposite. The higher the uncertainty, at least as we've measured it, the less likely one is to have a child, which we would expect would sort of accelerate fertility decline. If men's and women's response to uh, uncertainty is the same, we would expect that to have sort of an amplifying effect rather than an offsetting kind of effect. Um, so that's what's going on there. Um, for men's income uh, change, uh, this is the people who experienced a large decline, it's less than those who stayed the same, not statistically significant, but um, it's less, it's in the expected direction. Um, men who are, uh, there's, there's, um, uh, there's really nothing significant here, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna spend time, I'll come back to that if you want. The other one here, um, relative to men who are in an industry characterized by limited part-time employment, those who are in industries characterized by relatively higher part-time employment have slightly lower rates of lower relative rates of fertility. Um, again, this is consistent with what we might expect: higher uncertainty, lower rates of childbearing, but it's not statistically significant. So what we find here is kind of consistent with the aggregate results. The direction is the same for both men and women: more uncertainty, lower fertility. Um, it's also somewhat consistent with the aggregate level findings um, that it seems to, that the relationship seems to work through marriage. We don't really see much that's statistically significant. I don't know whether that's just a matter of not being able to estimate things precisely or something else, um, but these are uh, consistent uh, in, in that sense with the results from the, um, uh, fr from the, um, from the aggregate level analyses. So I realize that these kinds of odds ratios or relative uh, measures of the likelihood of having a child are not intuitive. It doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, I think. So what I've done is to try to present things in a little bit more intuitive way. 
um, again, sort of using this uh, demographer's tool of um, constructing um, hypothetical life histories, if you will. Um, basically, what we're doing here is taking a woman who's married at age 20 um, and um, has all of the sort of modal characteristics. She's in the average turnover industry. Uh, her husband has no change in income. None of the sort of measures of uncertainty apply to her. She's average. She's in the middle, okay? Um, this is what the cumulative probability of having a first birth would look like. So by about age 30 or so, 90% of them have had their first birth, okay? So that's what that looks like. The purple line is for these same women, what happens if we put their husbands in a job uh, in industries characterized by high part-time employment, a little bit um, higher level of economic uncertainty, slightly lower. Again, remember these are based on non-significant coefficients, okay? So, but it is what it is. Um, what happens if we give her husband, uh, we put her husband in the uh, category where he experiences an earnings decline each year? This is what we get. What happens if we put her in these high turnover industries? This is what we get. I mean, again, these are completely hypothetical, and the purpose of them being up here is to just give you an intuitive visual metric um, for how substantively meaningful those figures I showed you in the previous slide are. So maybe not so relevant for these. Certainly, that's one that seems to make a difference. Um, I'm going to skip this. And as promised, finish on time. So what I hope um, I can um, have you take away from, from this brief and maybe somewhat hurried presentation of the results is that um, if we look at the aggregate level data, the rise in economic uncertainty as we've measured it via unemployment and wage growth does seem to account for much, if not all, um, of the uh, decline in the total fertility rate. So this, I would argue, is some of the first semi-compelling <laughs> evidence um, that, that uncertainty does matter for the, for the TFR decline, the total fertility rate decline, over the period of the so-called lost 20 years. Um, the important thing, uh, a second very important thing I'd like, I, I hope people will take away from this, is that both men's and women's economic uncertainty seems to contribute to lower levels of fertility. In contrast, to the kinds of hypotheses that we might generate or derive from a focus on the very gender asymmetric uh, arrangement of work and family relationships in Japan. Um, so uh, this is more along the lines of what we might expect to see in the UK, the US, or France, or other uh, more gender egalitarian societies. Um, but men's is more important, so that um, is worth noting as well. The third thing from the aggregate level analyses to take away is that that um, limiting effect, fertility limiting effect of economic uncertainty seems to work through marriage. It's by reducing the likelihood of entering marriage and thus being at risk of having a child or being el eligible, if you will, to have a child rather than by limiting fertility once you're in a marriage. Okay? And these are aggregate level data, so this is just what it implies. It doesn't necessarily show us that directly. Um, the individual level analyses suggest large differences uh, in marital fertility by measures of economic uncertainty, but they're not statistically significant. So I, I don't want to make too much uh, of that, other than that very intriguing finding for, the, um, for women in these uh, uh, jobs, character, uh, industries characterized by high involuntary turnover rates. Um, this is actually 
relatively preliminary analyses, despite the fact that we've been working on it for a long time. Uh, it's still preliminary. Um, so there's a lot of things that need to be done. Um, I would like to incorporate marriage into the individual level analyses. I'm just not sure how. Um, if people have suggestions along that, those lines, that would be um, very much uh, uh, appreciated. Um, I'd like to think about getting alternative, perhaps better measures of economic uncertainty uh, for the individual level analyses. We've got the high turnover, we've got the uh, income decline, uh, earnings decline, uh, we have men's non-standard employment, and we have the measures of part-time uh, employment within an industry. Um, I don't know about you, maybe you're convinced. Um, you, you're more receptive than I am. I'm not entirely convinced myself of the appropriateness uh, of these um, measures that we're able to generate um, for getting at the things that we really are, are after. Um, so, so I think that's a, a major area uh, of um, improvement that we need. Uh, I'm not going to talk a lot about this because this may be a little bit um, uh, open up another can of worms um, that I don't want to talk about. Um, uh, but the other thing that we're going to be working on is sort of to formally incorporate the differences between male and female uncertainty in the economic model. I didn't show you that, um, but I think actually ultimately that will be one of the important contributions uh, of this study, and maybe the only time in my career I can claim making a contribution by developing, uh, you know, new insights in an economic model. Um, so that's kind of where we're going. Um, I'm absolutely more than happy to answer any questions. I look forward to Francesco um, telling me how to make this paper better, um, and uh, to, to discussing this with you guys later. So thank you very much for your attention. I appreciate it. Hopefully this was uh, of interest.